it's shiny, it's awesome, it's cool, it's a piece it's of hardware that I can give my baby boy. Because I didn't eat anything. You know, absolutely. Hold on, I'm talking, brother. 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 Hello, and welcome back to Hold On, I'm Talking, brother. My name is Joe Greenwood, and you are listening to our UFC 277 Pena versus Nunes 2 preview. With two titles on the line, women's bantamweight and men's flyweight. Two sort of forgotten divisions for a while. And Tom Ballam, I'm going to set this to you. Are you ready for a night of swanging and banging? Because I think we're in for a cracking pay-per-view here. Fuck the Tories. Fuck the Tories. Joe, I'm still living back on last Saturday uh, with those two big moments of Paddy Pimlet and Molly McCann. Wow, they will live in the memory. But we move on. UFC 277, it's up right now. Uh, you're right. These two divisions, little bit forgotten, little bit underwhelming. But we've got a really intriguing matchup here, both mm. in the rematch. Oh, two rematches, should I say. But especially yes. for the women's bantamweight. Uh, Pena versus Nunes, and then the surging Kaikara France taking on Brandon Moreno at flyweight. I can't wait, Joe. This is going to be great. Uh, listeners, we're going to go straight into this. Me and Tom are going to make predictions for the five main card fights. For our predictions, we will pick who we think will win the fight. And if we get that correct, we get one point. And if we get the method correct as well, we get two points. Ten points on offer. Tom is the current champion. He snuck the title on a technicality due to Tom Aspinall's knee blowing out. I mean, real sort of hand of God sort of moment of uh, winning the title that way. But I'll give it to you, Tom. You've got a dub next to your name and you are the champion. Joe, and... from, from, from humble beginnings emerge great stories. A legacy can be built. Is and that I why to... you uh, relate to Juliana Pena so much? <laughs> well, we're going to get into that. Right now, uh, the headline fight on this event. Pena, she's she's running with it. You know, she seems to be very happy living that champ life. She's throwing the first pitch out in the in the baseball. She's she's the champ. She walks like the champ. I think she wants to continue as the champ, Joe. Nunes, though, she'll be able to come back and correct mistakes from the first fight. I think that first fight is where we have to begin. Yes, absolutely. Well, let's let's just get into the big picture of that first fight. So, going into that first fight, Nunes was a massive, massive favourite. And people were like, how has Pena got this fight? This is ridiculous. Her last win was over Sarah McMahon. People were kind of like, not taking Pena seriously. And then, she did what many considered to be the impossible. If not, you know, moderately improbable. Was that she defeated Amanda Nunes uh, by... Rear naked choke in the second round. Nunez gassed out because Pena just worked her, basically. And people have said that that is the biggest upset in the history of the UFC. Now, Tom, let me put it to you this. Let me put that to you, I should say. Was that the biggest upset in the history of the UFC? That is a uh, very interesting question to pose. Of course, you immediately think about the other upset in, in women's um, women's MMA with Rousey and, and Holly Holm. But actually looking back on that fight, uh, Holly Holm was quite an accomplished uh, boxer coming in. Rousey was kind of a one-trick pony with her judo throw and then, and then finish. 
And it uh, turns out, once you get past that, there wasn't a whole lot left. Mm. Uh, turned out to be pretty embarrassing for Ronda Rousey. And it went down the same way here for Amanda Nunes. Seemingly unbeatable until she crumbled quite easily, uh, biting on shots, jabs, simple dipping jab undid her in the second round and then choked out even without i think the hand wasn't even under the neck for that rnc it was yeah it wasn't she didn't have the hooks in the legs in hooked in to really sort of flatten her out nunez tapped out because she was gassed and there was that hilarious sequence where peña jabbed nunez in the face four times in a row without anything coming back like just cut her off continuously um, but let's go back to that first question. Was this the biggest shock in the history of the UFC? For me, it's still going to be Matt Serra over GSP. That, <laughs> well, is still, that is still the biggest. It, it was a, that was a huge shock, Joe, but of course that is like another era. That's like pre-1992 uh, Premier League right there. <laughs> um, and well, you the know, crazy gang and all that sort of... That's it. That's Vinnie yeah. Jones. and uh, yeah. Um, so I think, I think you're right. Uh it was such a shock that it kind of undermined my my belief in the in the standard of the top of the women's division. That's that's how I'd categorize that loss from from Nunes. Uh, I don't know. I, I I can't I can't commit to an answer on it, Joe. It was certainly a big upset. Have you watched that first fight since it happened? Uh, I have, or at least I've watched uh, enough footage to have a pretty good grip on it. I mean, it was a dominant first round for Pena. Her power was telling. No, What Nunes. was different... Uh, sorry, yeah. Sorry. Uh, yes. Well, I mentioned the word power, so I'm definitely not talking about Juliana Pena. <laughs> um, no, I am talking about the Lioness. Um, yes. Now, what was different to her other fights is that most women, they wilt in the face of that damage. Uh, Nunes had a very strong round, controlled Pena, and landed some big shots as well, but mm. Pena, she didn't really fade away uh, in no. fact she stayed there in Nunez's face and was there to then really turn things around in the second uh, Nunez with the kind of Cody Garbrandt red mist yes one too many jabs to the noggin and she was you know really whiffing on, on some big overhands yeah. throwing hooks and, and not she, really landing she was throwing everything in those shots at Pena and was getting nowhere near that was the thing I wanted to bring up about that first round by the way was that Pena, even in losing that first round, was working Nunes. She wasn't letting Nunes settle into dominant positions that were going to completely control her. So Nunes had to constantly reposition herself, maneuver, so that she could get that control. And in defense, Pena was working her. She was, like, pulling away at her stamina, at the gas tank. And then, in the second round, Pena then unleashed these ferocious jabs that, that were the undoing of Nunes to quite a shocking degree. I mean, yeah, you, you nailed it on the head there, Joe. Like, even though Pena did lose that first round, her coaches were pretty happy with what she had done because they thought they had really pulled out a lot of uh, Nunes's explosive uh, kind of high-intensity uh, effort that would then weigh down on her further down the line I think they doubted that it would be in the second round just a few minutes mm. later that, that Nunes was absolutely done um, I mean Joe I, I, I can't imagine Nunes enjoying watching this take back because really actually embarrassing it was it was yeah. shockingly poor performance one of the worst performances for me uh, that I've seen in the octagon but particularly from a champion 
as well. Oh, that's what I mean. That's that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it, it, it's it's it was truly truly awful. And it, the weird thing about that fight, though, is that like, if you're Nunez's coaches, is that I don't think you could have prepared for that performance in a way from from Pena. Because let me throw this at you: in that fight, Pena landed seventy-eight significant strikes from distance. Okay, against Nunes. In her previous eight fights combined, she landed 73. So she outlanded her entire UFC career at distance in that one fight. And it just showed that Nunes just did not have a plan B. She could not adjust mid-fight. She knew against Jermaine Durandamy, who was a better striker than Nunes, that I have to take her down. And she did trade with her on the feet, but ultimately did go for the grappling and the wrestling to win that fight. Whereas against Pena, she probably felt like in that first round, all right, I've kind of got the better of her on the ground, but this is tiring and whatnot. I need to try and get her out of there. And then when Pena unloaded those jabs and picked away at her, and then eventually was landing some, I mean, truly sloppy one-twos, but maybe there is something in the sloppiness of them that made them so effective because it wasn't, you know maybe technically perfect that you can't really train for that sort of thing maybe i'm maybe i'm giving her too much credit i i, I think you are joe and I, think that brings <laughs> us, I think that brings us to the question of this fight and uh, can nunez make the adjustments um now those adjustments aren't so great they don't ha- it's not some master plan that she needs to come in with she needs to be ready to fight the distance and she yeah. needs to be ready to step off the line duck under those jabs or counter that kind of dipping jab that that Penny was having success within the second with uppercuts, with something that splits the guard of, mm. of Penny. I think that's pretty elementary adjustments for Nunes to make. Well. I think she showed that she has a dominant grappling game. And Joe, I'm going to get straight into it. I'm going to, I'm going to lay my prediction out as my right as the champ because it seems like a clear win for Nunes. The one thing we saw from Pena in that fight that I'll give her enormous credit for is that she is resilient, she can take a shot, and for that reason, I've, I've picked Nunes to win by decision. Mm, mm, that's interesting. I think, thinking about this fight today, it was clear what, as you said, Nunes needs to do to change. But one of the things that she would have to do is improve her stamina, and I don't know if seven months is enough to do that to significantly change her stamina. And also now, Pena has kind of shown that one of the game plans you need to get to have against Nunes is that you just have to work her. In previous fights, Nunes has kind of controlled the tempo, either because she's that much more powerful and her opponents just stop and they just let her control it and there's no, there's nothing really coming back. Or she fights people like Valentina Shevchenko who are counter-strikers, meaning that they're not going to push the pace on Nunes. So Nunes can then control the pace where he's like, I'm feeling tired now, I'm just going to go within myself here, just hold her off for a bit, hold her off, and then I'll explode again. Whereas it's Pena was like, I'm just going to get in her face and I'm going to work her over and over again. And I don't think the game plan is going to change. Joe, I do have... Oh, sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, I I just want to interject with one thing. I think uh, that Nunes was kind of thrown off kilter when she started going up to featherweight. I think that she... Packed on a lot of weight to be able to counter uh, Cyborg. Picked up a lot of punching power and in the process traded off some of her endurance. Uh, mm. It's not a natural weight class for her. I think Bantamweight is her real home. And and I think, you know, before that last fight with Penny, she had fought 
both Felicia Spencer and Megan Anderson up at featherweight. Now she will be looking to come back home down at down at bantamweight. I think we've heard that the women's featherweight division is no more. Thank you, thank you. Yes, uh, we hardly and, knew you. Yeah, well, I, I see. I've seen enough of that. Um, no more talk about going up to to fight Kayla Harrison. Mm. You know, all of that nonsense has gone away. Nunes will be dedicated and focused at getting down to her true weight class, her true physique, and I don't think endurance will be an issue in this fight. Mm. Interesting, interesting. I think there's also the other thing with Nunes, and that we've seen this with fighters as well in the past, is that when the domestic life becomes happy and simple and she's got a child and all that, it's like, you know, you've taken away that sort of rock star fighter persona thing and now you're a parent and that you actually have something else to think about and look after that maybe the focus does dip away from your career a bit maybe that does go away from training a bit you know i don't know is nunez still as committed as she was now you've given your prediction so i'm going to give you mine i'm going to say it right now that fight in december was kind of a fluke was kind of a fluke and I'm sorry Juliana Pena much respect to you great performance but if you in losing this weekend if you do no shame in that and there's nothing to be taken away from that that win but I have to go with Amanda Nunes and I have to go with by decision I think it's going to be close though I don't think this is going to be a dominant five round win for Nunes I think Pena is going to make this ugly dirty fight and I think that Nunes is going to have to ride out this fight, particularly in the later rounds. I think rounds four and five, if Peña is still there and she's still pushing forward and pushing the pace on Nunes, I think that could get very difficult for Nunes and she's going to have to try and find a way to get through those rounds. Early rounds, I'm expecting Nunes to control and then Peña to take over later. If I was going to pick uh, between a close fight and a dominant win, I would personally would have it as a dominant win for Nunes. I think those adjustments are easy to make, and I think we'll see uh, a more wrestle-heavy game from her as well. Uh, the actually the decision for me was whether Nunes could get it done, perhaps with a submission uh, in the mm. later rounds. So just to, just to lay it out there a bit more. But anyway, we are matched in the decision for Amanda Nunes. Uh, I think she is going to deliver. But what about this next fight up? This ma- next matchup, Joe. This is a much harder fight to call. <laughs> I can't uh, wait for this fight. Brandon I... Moreno, he's in another championship bout, this time an interim one against Kaikara France, the surging Kaikara France. Yes. It is a rematch. Uh, Moreno yep. winning the first fight back in 2019. Do you, did you uh, watch that fight at the time? Not at the time. And this is a testament to the evolution of the flyweight division. Now listen, Joe, back in 2019, late 2019, I would have been one of those calling for the flyweight division to be cut. I'll come out and I'll say it. I'll I'll admit it now. Uh, I'll also tell you, I didn't know who Brandon Moreno was, and I certainly didn't know who Kai Kara France was. Mm. Uh, Now it's a real testament to both of these men, because they have played a big role in raising the profile of the flyweight division, but also to, of course, uh, Figueredo, uh, perhaps Henry Cejudo as well. Uh, that yeah. The flyweight, is, I think it's here to stay, Joe. I've, I've really been loving these fights recently. Yeah, it, it is a tremendous decision, uh, tremendous division, I should say. It's, um, I know it's kind of unique in that it just has a pace to it that all these other male divisions don't have. Even bantamweight. Like, these guys are so fast and so nimble 
that like it's just a style of MMA that we just do not get at the heavier weight classes that really you know makes me sort of savor it and then when you get guys in there like Kai Kara France who is finishing dudes in there I mean admittedly it was Cody Garbrandt uh, with his last finish. Who doesn't finish Cody Garbrandt? Jeff? Well, yeah. As I said uh, the other day about Gustafsson, a stiff breeze would finish uh, Garbrandt at this stage. But, nonetheless, uh, still an incredible performance from Cara France. Probably his best win. Although, would you say the Askarov win was the is the better win at this stage? Joe, or I love... I, I, well, I, I think Bontarine is a little step below there. But Askarov, that last showing, really lit the touch paper on my... Uh, my fandom. I joined the the club, the membership mm. club, uh, paid up member now, because that was a very um, how do I say accomplished performance over a very tricky gra- grappler and Askarov. It was a fine line to tread for mm. for um, Cara France, and he had and to overcome a bit of adversity to win that fight, taking yeah. the last two rounds. Yeah, yeah, he lost the first round in that one, and then came back as you said. And then also, everyone was talking in that before. It's like Askarov's like he's on course for a title shot, which then obviously meant that if Cara France won, which he did, surely he should be in line for it. And he is with an interim title shot due to the fact that Devson Figueredo has got a um, hand injury, and also he didn't want to give Moreno the fourth fight, which by the way I was totally fine with. I wanted to have a fresh contender in there. I'm happy we got one. I'm happy we got a fresh matchup in a flyweight title fight. But let's get into the X's and O's now of this uh, fight itself. Let's start with Cara France. I've got to really say how much impre- how impressed I am with his most recent performances, particularly with the adjustments he's made. Now, based off of that last Moreno fight, the Cara France that we see now is a man who knows when to actually disengage. Doesn't just fly in there and picks and chooses his shots, and when there's the ability or the moment to finish, he is a fantastic finisher now, I think. He's, cert- he's certainly shown that in his recent in his recent run, but perhaps we should revisit that fight with Moreno back in 2019. Mm. Um, I'm sure, as the dedicated professional you are, Joe, coming off the loss of your championship, you have watched <laughs> the tape on this one. I have indeed. Now, Joe, me too. Uh, how did you score it? How did you see that fight? Two rounds to one for... Brandon Moreno. So, Cara France, he took the first round, landing the sure. heavier shots, yep. and then um, Moreno's volume started to tell in the in the last two rounds. Also, Cara France, he, he slowed down quite a lot. Um, mm. Now, Moreno in that fight, he was finishing a lot of his combinations with uh, head kicks. Mm-hmm. They weren't necessarily getting through, but I think it was clear that in blocking those shots, um, that Cara France, he had lost a little bit of pep that he, that he has normally a little, yeah. little, little bit of that power um he also seemed to wilt relative to moreno um yes. moreno kept the same pace the whole way through whereas um cara france tailored off a little bit do you think we'll see the same thing again in this fight joe no i don't think so i think cara france has uh learnt, as i said to when to disengage and when to sort of like basically able to control the tempo and not rush through combinations because I noticed that in the first fight there was that there was a lot of big movements as well went for a lot of big shots and big combinations and it's I don't think he's going to go for that this time I think he's going to be you know I think in the, he's going to take his time a little bit more there's five rounds here to work you don't need to, to rush immediately into trying finishing this guy 
and I don't think that Carol France is going to go down that road. I mean, his output is still very high in relation to the division. I mean, you know, we're looking at 4.84 significant shots landed per minute. But his timing is so good as well. I thought it's the timing, it was the Bontarin finish, which, by the way, is a, a comical finish, if you remember it correctly, uh, as I do, where he finished Bontarin, referee jumps in, Cara France runs away to celebrate. Bontarin stands there, referee stands away from him, and Cara France thinks that, oh, the fight isn't over, and goes back in to give him another shot, which was uh, quite hilarious. But also, I think his takedown defense has improved a lot. It's, I think that that has really improved. And you saw that in the Askarov fight. It got better and better as the fight progressed. And Brandon Moreno, I think, has the ability to take Cara France down early in the fight. I don't know if he's going to be able to do it later in the fight. And I, Moreno, as well, for his credit, has good wrestling ability. He's pretty much one, gets one in two takedowns attempts. Like, he's, he's very consistent with his wrestling. Do you have the numbers there on uh, Moreno's significant strike output per minute? Uh, give me two seconds and I'll have it there for you. All right, well, we'll come back to that one. It would be an innovation from Moreno to uh, introduce those takedowns. That wasn't really a big factor in, in, the, in the first fight. Uh, it's... Uh, 3.54 compared to Cara France's 4.84. Wow, that's interesting. I've got to say that comes as a bit of a surprise to me. I always associate Brandon Moreno with volume. Yes. Um, yeah, Joe, I, I think it is important this is a five-round fight. It's Kai Cara France's first five-round fight. Yes. Now, we did already note that how much he slowed down uh, last time out against Brandon Moreno, although he has evolved since then. Um, do you think it favours Moreno that it's a longer fight? I mean, yeah. I mean, he's got the experience in his last three fights were all title fights against the same person, though. Like, so that might be a bit of an issue in some sense of, like, he's been in this men- mental space of fighting this one guy. What, the same guy, but not with a dissimilar characteristics to Cara France, a man who likes to be a little bit more measured in, in picking the shots, but when he does, yeah. he, he unloads with a lot more power. So I think the dynamic is not entirely removed from fighting Figueredo, although Figueredo does carry a greater threat, of course. Mm, mm. Why, um, why do you think Moreno lost that third Figueredo fight, if you remember it? Like, do you think that there is going to be a hangover from that for him? Because it was, it was this year, you know, and he held the title for six months... Do you think that there was maybe a mental side of it that got to him? Because I actually felt like in that third fight with Figueredo, it was a pretty comprehensive win for Figueredo. Yeah. At least that's how I had it. it. Me too, Joe. That's not quite how the UFC wants to bill it and leap with the promos <laughs> for this fight. Um, I, to be honest, Joe, I'm a little bit of a Brandon Moreno truther uh, in Ooh. that, yeah, I I don't have him quite up there with, with Figueredo. I think Figueredo... Yeah. Should have won the first fight, of course. I, and I think the second fight was an aberration from Figueredo. I, I yeah. think that that's unlikely to happen again. So what what I saw there in the third fight was really rea- reality catching up to, to Brandon Moreno. Yeah, I mean, we know why that first fight was a draw, which then... Groin strike. Have, it was the groin strike, which it would not have resulted in the second fight if that had not happened. Yeah, um, so just to just to clarify that for the listeners, yes. Figueredo he was he was docked a point in the scoring system, so it went a ten eight round, or an, or it would have been a nine nine round, I guess. Um, uh, no, was, I think I think one judge did score it nine eight 
for Figueiredo that round? I think it was the third round. But yes, it was. It was. Yeah, it was a point taken off. Mm-hmm. Yes, which has so, yeah. a, a huge impact on the scoring. Of course, um, Joe. I can't wait any longer. Who have you picked for this fight? You know what? I'm doing it. I'm putting my balls out there. I'm being a big man. Kai Kara France by decision, Tom. I've put it out there. I've laid it on the line. I put the gauntlet down. Give it to me, Tom. What have you got? I love that, Joe. I love that pick. I wish I was I was as brave and innocent as you are. Um, because this little run now for Kai Kara France, it really has been a joy to behold. The knockout of a Bonterine. Welcoming Garbrandt uh, down to the flyweight. His fresh start <laughs> with another knockout in the first round. And then really a fantastic display, as we mentioned, over Askarov. Um, he's, he's almost being inducted into the boys. He's almost one of them. Oh, he's a big boy. If he can win this fight, I think we will w- welcome him to the club. Unfortunately, I don't think he will. Wow. I don't think he will. Yeah, I, I, I've got Moreno as the favourite here. Obviously, he's already got that win. And I see a longer fight really favouring Brandon Moreno. I think he's shown that he can hang in there, uh, mm. that he doesn't really diminish. Whereas Cara France has previous. Um, it, 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 he is a man who's lost nine fights now in his in his career. And a lot of those fights have been um, later on in the fight, um, either by decision or... Do you know what you're sounding like? You're sounding like me talking about Charles Oliveira versus Dustin Poirier. Think of all the losses that Charles has had where he's buckled and whatnot. Well, you know what? I'm a believer. I'm a believer in Kai Kara France. I'm a believer in Charles Oliveira. Okay? And let me put this out there for you as well, Tom, and listeners. I'm going to say it right here. This is a sick fight. And I think, potentially, we could be in for an all-time classic action fight here. This is going to be a banger. Yeah, I think there's every evidence to suggest that, Joe. I mean, in the first fight, it really was. They were, they were both wearing it after the fight. It was a non-stop yeah. action, and I expect more of the same. I have, though, picked Moreno by decision. Let's go to some more non-stop action. Derek Lewis is back, brother. Swang in and bang in against Sergei Pavlovich. Now, I've got two main questions here. Is Derek Lewis washed? No. Okay. Definitely Can, not. Do you really not think so? I really is don't it, think so. Because he's such an anomaly, isn't he? Like, he's a complete anomaly. The threat that he had, as he came into the UFC with one shot, and he still has that one <laughs> shot. That man cannot be washed. He can still land a huge overhand at 50 years old. Okay. Uh, yeah, you know what, you're right. I, yeah, I mean, he'll be fighting in BKFC when he's 50. And he will be knocking dudes out. And it will Joe, dangerous. he will be equally dangerous. He'll be turtling up. He'll be kind of, like, uh, shying away against the cage. <laughs> Some tall tall man from Russia will go in, thinking he's going to just tuck him away. And then, ba-boom. You know, yeah. that monster right hand will come out. And, and he will... Uh, Level another skyscraper. I think that is the story of Derek Lewis that goes on for eternity. Yeah, yeah. A tale as old as time. What it? was your second question, Joe? Well, my main, my other question is about Pavlovich. Is that Pavlovich came into the UFC with a bit of hype. Came in with a bit of hype here. And recently, he has turned that round. He had a bad debut against Alistair Overeem. I mean, for fuck's sake. I mean, hell of a person to debut against. But he's turned it around here. Do you think he can actually build on this 
three fight win streak, I believe. Uh, it, it's a three knockout win streak, all in the first round. He's shown mm. terrific hands for a heavyweight. Very, yes. very fast. He hits hard. Great one-two. Solid boxer, Pavlovich. I think he can go a long way, actually, in this division. Do you know uh, that Pavlovich has uh, the shortest average fight time of any of the heavyweights uh, currently fighting in the UFC? Derek Lewis's average fight time is 9 minutes and 22 seconds. Do you want to guess what Pavlovich's is? About 3 minutes, Joe. 2 minutes 55. Because yeah. Tom's got it, got the number right there in front of him. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. Joe. Oh, I'm, fair play. I don't. Fair play. This, look, Joe, this is championship stuff now, all right? <laughs> the belt has come home. This is what you're dealing with. Let's uh, let's talk about this as well. Pavlovich has a very high strikes landed per minute for heavyweight. He lands at 6.08, which is actually just very high for any fighter in the UFC. That is an incredibly high output. That's terrifying, Joe, is what that is. Because that man yes. is... He's a big man. He weighs mm. weighs a lot. He's a heavyweight, but he punches like a middleweight. He also uh, uh, speed. I'm talking about speed. Absolutely. But he also absorbs at four point four five. You can see what fight is being set up here. And Tom, I'm going to just ask you straight up, which way are you falling on this one? Because this is basically this fight's only going to be one way. I don't see Pavlovich going into the wrestling in this one. No, no, I don't either. Also, because also, I really don't think wrestling works on Lewis. Not in the sense of like, oh, he just stands up or anything like that. But I mean in the sense of, is it actually going to drain him? Like, is it going to drain him enough that that knockout power isn't there? I just really don't think it is. <laughs> I mean, there are men who have been in there and found out. There are men who have tried to wrestle Derek Lewis. Uh, I'm thinking of Curtis Blades. Mm. Didn't get to implement any kind of wrestling game because he got clipped with a huge uppercut. Um, now... I think it's a really interesting fight and it is kind of like the new generation versus the slightly older generation. Uh, the thing is, Joe, only two fights ago, we saw Derek Lewis face a new contender, a man with very fast hands, a man who had been knocking everybody out. His name was Chris Dorcas. We haven't seen him since, Joe. He got slept. Dorcas? Dorcas got slept. He, fought, he fought Blades and then got slept again. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. What I mean is we haven't seen him again in a prominent role. He's not being pushed now as someone who's going to yes. challenge the top. Derek Lewis saw to that. Yeah, He took I care swear. of the young gun in one round. But then I also do then think about Derek Lewis versus Cyril Garn, where Garn just worked him and got the finish. Do you think Pavlovich has the same, the same kind of game plan in mind? He must do. He must do. Joe, he's in love with the hands. I, I mean... Three minute knockouts. You don't you don't knock people out with an average time of three minutes if you're going to well, play it safe and point and, score. And also getting knocked out within three minutes. That's including the Overeem fight. So well, the the Overeem fight. Uh, they were having an exchange on the feet. Overeem decided, oof, this is a, this is a bit much. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to engage in a little bit of grappling here and cool this young this young buck down a bit. Uh, managed to trip him. Uh, yep. Pavlovich was then on his back and that was a very bad place for Pavlovich to find himself with Overeem on top of him. It was a brutal knockout, Joe, once yes. um, once Overeem had him down. Yes, absolutely. Um, that's definitely not going to happen in this fight. Go on, Tom. Lay your prediction on me. Do it. Knockout for Pavlovich. <gasps> I've gone for knockout for Lewis. Oh, no way. <laughs> yes way. <laughs> How have you gone against Lewis here? That's that's a, that's an aberration right there. 
It is an aberration, but, I, but the thing is, Joe, I really think that um, Pavlovich is destined for the top five. I think he's gonna. I, I think people are sleeping sure. on him. He's he's you know he's Russian. He doesn't have much kind of promo around him, and obviously, getting smoked by Overeem in your first fight is not the way to announce yourself um, as a future contender. But I, I, I'm really quite hot on him. I think he's a very good fighter. He's also 30 years old, so he's got plenty of time. I don't. I. I think he will get there eventually. So, Just, Joe, what are, what are we seeing here then? Pavlovich stepping into the pocket, unleashing a couple of shots on Blades. Uh, on Lewis, sorry. What's going to happen is this: Pavlovich, they're going to start. You know, Pavlovich will start like pushing him back. He'll start unloading shots. He'll he'll land on Lewis, and he's thinking, "I've got him," going up against the cage, and then he just walks into Gadoosh. Good night, you love, to, you love to see it, Joe. You love, I mean, that, you would, that. You, you're telling me now, you've picked Pavlovich, but if that happened, you're telling me you're not standing oh, I'm up and so cheering. I'm, I'm cheering. Of course I am. Of course, <laughs> because it's just outrageous that Lewis can get away with a career built around one shot. Um, I, d- I just want to see more of it. I can't get enough. I want to see the two Ivasa fight again. Fuck it. Yeah. Just have those two fight every six months. Like, just... I mean, Joe, Joe, that is the other thing that's sticking in my memory. You mentioned that Tuivasa fight, so that's Lewis's last fight. Uh, he was trading with Tuivasa, couldn't get him out of there, and then succumbed to that elbow up close. Yeah, but Maybe that's it, broken the spell. Yeah, but maybe Pavlovich doesn't have the chin of Tuivasa. Do you remember that fight, by the way, where Lewis actually tripped him, took him to the ground, and was <laughs> the ground and pound was disgusting and Tui Vassa got up and he looked angry as he was doing it which is like I'm getting him back for this like, I remember that Lewis was unloading yeah Lewis was, was unloading on him as Tui Vassa was trying to get up and Tui Vassa just shrugged it off I need to watch that fight again that was, a that was great let's talk about another flyweight fight uh, top lad here Alexander Pantoja is back against Alex Perez Tom when was the last time Alex Perez fought uh, back nearly two years ago now, Joe. I think that was uh, against the current champ, Davison Figueredo, November 2020 on UFC 255. Losing that fight by guillotine choke, and we've not seen him since. What's been going on? A lot of cancelled fights. Let me give you his cancelled fights. Uh, <laughs> see if you can find the pattern. So he had a fight against Matt Schnell, cancelled. Then he had a fight against Asker Askarov, cancelled. Then he had one against Matt Schnell, cancelled. Then another one against Matt Schnell, cancelled. Then another one against Matt Schnell, cancelled. And then another one against Asker Askarov, cancelled. It wow. was... Yeah, he's had a bit of a bad run. Bit of a bad run. Um, I mean, one of them was down to Perez missing weight by about six pounds against Matt Schnell. Um... And then all the other ones were because of his opponent pulling out injured. Um, so, yeah, it's been a bit of a rough one for him where he's been in training camps. And I think one of the Askarov fights was literally five days before the fight was due to happen. So I think he's been training and in these camps a lot and has just not been able to get in there. Is he going to unload his frustration onto Pantoja? That is the question here for Alex Perez. Well, yeah, absolutely. Now, Pantoja, he is coming off two wins now, one against Brandon Royval, who's been surging through the flyweight division, looking very impressive in doing so, and a man you intended to welcome into the boyfold, Manel Cape, who's certainly failed to deliver to begin with, but he's coming together a bit now. Mm-hmm. Um, beat Nash- Matchnell by KO, 
but has lost in the last few years to Davison Figueredo and Askarov. Those guys are the top of the division, Joe. Everyone else is getting put away by by Pantoja. There are a couple mm. of decision wins in there, including one over Brandon Moreno, let me let me just add. Yes, absolutely. Um, now, Perez, is he in the caliber? Is he at the top of division with Askarov and Figueredo for you? Uh, no. No, I felt the, the nature of that Figueredo loss was pretty comprehensive. He, I think he kind of like froze in the moment a little bit because I remember him sort of rushing into that and kind of Figueredo kind of pulled him into this sort of guillotine um, quite easily, to be honest. And then I also remember the loss to Joseph Benavidez where he just got worked just got worked by Benavidez and it was a just you know it was it was a bit of a bit of a flat performance from him again like I think this is the problem for Perez is that he can produce there's the win against Juicy Formiga which I remember because it was one of those rare wins by leg kick where the fighter just goes down he's just like no more brother I can't take it anymore and there was a few around that time in 2020 where people were getting finished from leg kicks Chris Gutierrez getting a couple of them but I, I think Perez maybe does struggle with that sort of um, pressure of certain fighters. And Pantoja does bring that pressure of the walking forward, of cutting off the cage, of trying to get, you know, work to towards finishes. Because he has an incredible finishing record, uh, Pantoja. Was it uh, eight knockout wins, TKO wins, and ten submission wins? Like, that's pretty high for a flyweight as well. Like, you don't get many flyweights with finishing records like that. Well, when you uh, align that with Perez's performance in the UFC, uh, which is that in the, including his uh, display on Dwayne White's Contender Series, he has had nine, I believe, nine fights in in the UFC. Uh, only two of them have gone to decision. Mm. That's including the, he's when he's been on the losing end, as you mentioned, against Benavides and Figueredo. So... This is going to be pretty, pretty f- high-paced, exciting stuff. Do you expect a decision in this fight? No. Tell me, Joe. Just something in my loins is telling me a Pantoja win by knockout. That is what I'm looking forward to in this fight. I think we're going to get that. I think we're going to get a again, like the other flyweight fight, a tremendous action fight. That's the thing that about flyweight is that. When you get these guys who are top of the division up against each other, they're so skilled in pretty much every department that you end up getting these just fantastic, quick-paced action fights where even the slightest error is going to be taken advantage of immediately. And that's what I'm looking forward to in this fight. So I'm going to go with a Pantoja knockout. Just feeling just feeling that in me. I think he wants to try and catch up with his uh, submission wins. So, uh, yeah, I've gone with that. By the way, I've got to give this to um, Perez. I don't know if you've uh, if you looked at this. Takedown averages per 15 minutes, 2.92. Really high. That is really, really high. Well, it'll be interesting to see if he wants to implement that game against Pantoja. Obviously quite a strong jiu-jitsu practitioner in his own right. I'm pretty high on Pantoja, Joe. I think he is up there in the top five with the elites. Yes. Um, currently ranked Pantoja. Let me just uh, pull that up for you. Currently ranked at four, Alex Perez ranked six. Mm. Uh, I expect Pantoja to take this fight, but I haven't been as brave as you. I picked a decision win. Fair enough. That's absolutely fair enough. Right, opening the main card. This is this is a great fight. 
I don't care what anyone says. I know you're down on one of these guys, but I'm I'm up on both of them. In the light heavyweight division, go on. Well, it's more like, like I, I want to qualify this now. It's more that one of these guys I think could do his best service to the UFC is not in having his teeth knocked out for, for money. <laughs> uh, it's in keeping his teeth and speaking on the mic as an analyst. I see that as the future for Ankalaev. No, of course. <laughs> <laughs> no, I see that. Well, here we have Anthony Smith matching up with Magomed Ankalaev. One of these guys has got better oratory skills in English than the other. I'll leave that to our listeners to figure out which one I'm referring mm, to. Mm. Um, yes, this is potentially a light heavyweight number one contender fight, depending on where the UFC go. I think this is going to be one of those, though, where I think one of them is going to have to have such a spectacular performance to jump the line at light heavyweight. Because I think the UFC are probably lining up either Blahovich or Teixeira for... Yuri's next fight as the light heavyweight champion. I know that Prahashka well, let me, has stated a preference for the Teixeira rematch. Well, let me ask you your thoughts on that, Joe. Is, is Teixeira worthy of the rematch? Yes. Bro, for me, that if you had that fight... Oh, Joe, Dana, the fight I'm, was I'm th- incredible. I'm just thinking in terms of how the UFC think. Like, I'm thinking in how they think, where they're just like, well, it was potentially the fight of the year... Dana probably loved it. He loves Glover. Let's give him another shot. Yes, but we're not here to... We're here to be a bit more clinical than that, Joe. I mean, Teixeira, he didn't have any defences. It was a great fight. Of course it was. But I want to see Teixeira go and beat somebody else. Come on. No. I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it, to be honest. I'm, I'm... I'm I'm all right with that sort of thing. Why? Who anyway, do you think? Do you think Jan Blahovic should be maybe? No, I share? think I think the winner of this fight has a very legitimate claim. Now let me just underline why we've got four versus five in this fight. Yeah. Ankalaev at number four. Ankalaev Joe, he's won eight fights in a row. Yeah. How and are you going to? T- he has finished a couple dudes as well. How are you going to tell me a, a win, a strong win over uh, Anthony Smith isn't enough for him to jump? To Sharer in the queue. To me, that's that's crazy talk right there. Eight fights at light heavyweight. Come on. I mean, I'm, I'm not I'm not against it. Uh, I just don't know if it's likely or not. Like that's. I'm, I'm shaking my head for the listeners here. Well, sorry, sorry to disappoint you there, uh, there, Tom. But let's talk about what these two guys offer. Um, let's talk about Anthony Smith first. I think his style of fighting could be described as uh, as tough as a two dollar steak. Uh, like he is uh, about as uh, much of uh, one of those fights where he's got that dog in him, as they like to say. Um, you know, likes to sort of like sort of drag these fights into sort of scrappy exchanges and then try and uh, sort of land something from inside. Um, and also, I've got to say this: Anthony Smith, his two most prominent wins to you, I'm going to guess, are the Uzdemir win and the Gustafsson win. Correct. Uh, I mean, the, of course the Uzdemir win is very, very prominent. But again, I'm, as we referred to in the last pod when we were previewing the London card, more in terms of how sloppy Uzdemir was in succumbing to that uh, defeat. Okay. Um, but I, how, how did he beat those two guys? By surviving, Joe. By grappling. That's how he won that fight. And that, I feel like, is what we have to see in this. Ankalaev, I'm sure you agree, is a very measured striker very measured counter striker who then likes to build up through the fight. I feel like Smith has to sort of put pressure on him immediately 
and try and set a pace on Ankalaev, kind of in the same way how Pena has to do with Nunes. This is how I think this main card should be bookended, is the challenger trying to set a bit of a pace on them. Because I feel, feel like we haven't been seen that question of Ankalaev yet, of his stamina. Everyone's kind of fought at his pace because of his fainting and his sort of cutting of the cage and his sort of measured, thoughtful striking. You know, he doesn't overcommit to anything, doesn't just like throw anything for the sake of it. He's very, very thoughtful. And I think Smith needs to create these chaotic exchanges and then work to grappling to get to sort of back takes and work towards uh, submissions from there. Am I completely off base? Do you think that's not going to happen at all? I think uh, Smith certainly would want to uh, to mix in all elements of MMA here. I don't think he wants to have a boxing match with with Ankalaev. Uh, mm. I think the problem for Smith here is that there are uh, men who have been claimed by Ankalaev in his run to have tried to mix it up, who tried to make the fight a little bit dirtier. Um, mm. I'm thinking about the likes of Nikita Krylov. Mm. Um, a man who's who's well versed in every element of the game and is certainly not easy to put away. He had trouble getting past those feints, getting past those quick hands, and uh, and really making taking the fight to Ankalaev. So I think it's it's a real challenge for Smith to to, to have the fight on his terms. Mm. Mm. Okay, so give me your prediction. What are you, what are you thinking? Well, I've kind of shown my hand already, Joe. Um, I think. Ankalaev's record speaks for itself. You will absolutely shock me to my core, and I will know that that you you've you've lost it, Joe. That you've gone off the rails since that <laughs> losing your belt. If you pick Smith to win this fight, um, the question is: Can Ankalaev put Smith away? And I think yes, he can. I think if Smith is going to try and make it dirty, I actually think that will uh, favour Ankalaev. I think mm. y- you have to be measured. You have to be very careful, like Thiago Santos was. Uh, who got a knockdown? He did get a knockdown, Joe, but ultimately he was outpointed over five rounds. Mm. Mm. I think Smith will be keen to avoid that fate, and he will leave openings for the very clinical, very powerful... Uh, Ankalaev to exploit so I've picked Ankalaev by TKO you don't think Smith could knock him down at any stage you don't think that that would be likely at any point in this fight I, ju- I just don't think Smith carries the same threat that Thiago Santos does on no fight. no I mean Smith's a bit of a odd guy in terms of his record like when he gets on win streaks he normally gets to three and then he gets cut off by something you know and he is on a three fight win streak but the problem is that the people he's on the three fight win streak from are Let's be honest, not on the same level of maybe the guys... Anchor- or maybe they are, I don't know. I mean, Ryan Spann, Jimmy Crute and Devin Clark, is there that much of a difference between them and Thiago Santos? Yes. You know? <laughs> yes. Leon Kutilaba? Yes. yes, I'm sorry. Like, sorry. Lunjambula? I think I've aired my feelings on on Ryan Spann before. I'm not going to comment on <laughs> Devin Clark because that is embarrassing. Uh, you're really demeaning the top of the division if you mention Devin Clark in amongst them. Ryan Spann, Joe, he's a jabroni. <laughs> <laughs> he's a jabroni. Now, Jimmy Crew, I think there is some, there's a lot of potential there. It was yeah. a stoppage. You remember how that fight finished? Yeah, basically he blew his knee out and then the ref had to take a look at him and he, as he was limping and he was just like, walk to me. And 
crew is limping forward and he's banging his chest going like I can keep going just look at me I can keep going and the ref's like no you can't waved it off which was the right thing to do it was and so we have question marks really about about Smith's recent record come on tell me how I'm live going to win the fight Joe stop this nonsense I don't have any questions about his performances in those fights because I felt like he won them quite clearly alright how is Hank alive going to win the fight Joe he's going to win it by decision that's how it's going (laughs) to happen thank you very much um, yeah, Ankalaev by decision for me. I think Smith will. I think he will make it grimy, and I think he will make it tough for Ankalaev. But I think Ankalaev striking is going to be too difficult for Smith to get in there, particularly early on in the fight. I, I could see Smith losing the first two rounds quite easily, and then he's going to have to try and like go for it in the third. And, and that's when he's going to get smoked, Joe. I don't and he's going to deliver me my belt. And I'm going to tell you how happy I am about that on next week, Tuesday, something like that. Shall we uh, look at the prelims very quickly? Yes, I think it will be a quick glimpse of the prelims because I'm a bit underwhelmed, Joe. Tell me why I shouldn't be. Uh, Well, I am very much uh, whelmed to underwhelmed myself. Look, can we just point out the fight that matters on this? Drew Dober versus Jafaya Alves. Um, Banger Central. They're going to be swanging and banging. Um, and that's all I've got on that. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm looking at Drew Doba. I'm also thinking about the likes of Drakkar Close again, another light heavyweight. Who Rafa likes Garcia, to... yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be good. Drakkar Close had a weird thing, didn't he, where he got pushed by Jeremy Stevens and wasn't able to fight for a while because he had like concussive problems from it. Yeah, like Whiplash, uh, I think it was. Yeah. Um, the hardest hidden... 145er. The hardest shoving. <laughs> 145er indeed. Also, Michael Morales, I should say. Uh, I've enjoyed him whenever I've watched him. Uh, he's fighting Adam Fugit, who's making his UFC debut. Uh, Morales is, I think he's very young. I think he's only like 21, 22 what? years old. Joe, I would tell you that, but unfortunately the man hasn't. He hasn't obtained a Wikipedia page yet. And I think that speaks to these prelims all right it's a little bit it's a little bit underwhelming he's undefeated welterweight 23 years old and i was impressed when i've seen him fight defeated trevin giles in his first fight finished him in the first round you know i think there's something there and um i would keep an eye on michael morales i think you'll get the the slow build he's very young and welterweight is a brutal division we are scraping the barrel be honest it is oh prelim wise it is definitely yeah. scraping the barrel. This yeah. is like we haven't got like um you know uh what what was on the prelims last time that was banging? We had um Riddell Turner. That's what I was thinking of. That was on yeah. the, the prelims and that was that was banging. So there was yeah. some good stuff before. Anyway, let's move on. I'm gonna break a little bit of news to you. Well, it's not quite broken yet, but it will be soon potentially. A lightweight fight is on the horizon between two ranked contenders. Tom, your cogs are turning. I can see it. But you probably already know what it is. Dustin Poirier versus Michael Chandler is being arranged for the lightweight division later in the year. (sighs) About the best that they could probably manage right now outside of a Connor fight for these two. It makes absolute sense. I think it had a certain air of inevitability to it since it was first mentioned. Although one of these, Dustin Poirier, he he denied denied that this fight would take place. He didn't seem that interested. Mm. Uh, I think I think I think it makes sense. Now I'm excited about it. That sounds like a great matchup to me. However, 
that does keep the door closed to some of these surging surging men from the Eastern Horde that are coming over the pass now. That mm. you know, They're on the planes, Joe. They're galloping to Western Europe and uh, shit's about to go down. So yeah. enjoy fighting Michael Chandler and Dustin Poirier because there are, there's something bigger on the horizon. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're looking at them, aren't we? Sarukian, Gamrot, Fazeev, Ismagulov, Kutatalazad. <laughs> yeah, bro. Like, this is... This is some dark, dark territory. It's a, it's a very dark thunderstorm coming over the horizon. You know, it's like that bit in Lord of the Rings when Gandalf and your man's looking at the storm and they're like, whoa, that's a big storm. Uh, you know the bit I'm on about. Uh, I think it was in the Two Towers. Anyway, well, can fight. But I feel like this is, whoever loses that, you are in deep to, dark. To the lions. Yeah. To the lions and you go. You either go to the lions or you go into celebrity fighter position and I don't take you seriously anymore as a contender. And I think that's fair. Joe, talking about these uh, surging um, men from the Caucasus and surrounding areas, (laughs) uh, only one of them is undefeated in the UFC. And indeed, he's the only undefeated lightweight. Who is that? Oh, only undefeated... What ranked lightweight or someone in the ranked division in, or in the division entirely? Joe, I have not done my research, but I believe <laughs> I believe it's in the entirety of the UFC, including whether you're ranked or not. And I'm talking about undefeated in the UFC. Oh, um, oh, that's an interesting one. Well, I know Mark Madsen's uh, undefeated in the UFC, so it's not. Is it him? It's not Mark Madsen. I think you might have spotted a, a flaw in the data here. Is it um, Ismagulov? It's Ismagulov. Yeah, he, he's, he's the only one who's made it onto this list. Um, now, I guess ranked, ranked sort of uh, fighters. Joe, I think what we've done there is we've invalidated Tom's trivia section. I, I cannot rely <laughs> on my data set anymore. Because um, my next question was going to be, which division has the most men who fit this category undefeated uh, well, ranked fight. Oh, it is ranked fighters. I'm sorry, Joe. It is ranked. Currently ranked fighters that are undefeated in the UFC. Which well, division has the most? Wilterweight. Who are they, Joe? Um, Usman. Hamza. Rachmanov. Sean Brady. Excellent. And excellent. that's it. That's excellent. There is a division that has five. Uh, and that you only mentioned four there, so you weren't right. Want to Want to have one more shot? Oh, is it another division or is it another fighter in the welterweight? No, division? it's another. No, no, it's not welterweight. Welterweight has four, and you named oh. all of them. And they're ranked, and they're undefeated. Yes. Oh, this is going to be something bollocks, isn't it? Is this going to be? Um, it's going to be like women's strawweight. <laughs> which which division? Which division is it? It's men's featherweight, Joe. Oh shit! Um, okay, I reckon I can name these fighters as well. It's five. Give it to me. Volkanovski. Yes. Arnold Allen. Yes. Um, Bryce Mitchell. Yes. Evloev. Yes. And is Taporia ranked? Yes. Yes. Look Strong finish there, Joe. Excellent. Woo! Excellent well, stuff. Well, if my predictions aren't on point, at least I got that. Like that's that's what I say. Anyway, let's go through our predictions again for the main card. Very quickly, we'll run through them again. Going this time from the bottom up. Opening the card with uh, Ankalaev versus Smith. We've both picked Ankalaev. You have picked him by knockout. I picked by decision. Pantoja versus uh, Perez. We've both picked Pantoja. 
Again, is it the case that you've picked knockout? No, I, you picked decision. For me, it was decision, yeah. We reversed each other on this. And I picked knockout. Yes. Um, Lewis versus Pavlovich. Um, again, slightly different picks here. I've gone for Lewis by knockout. Whereas I've gone for Pavlovich by knockout. Men's interim flyweight title on the line here. Brandon Moreno versus Kai Cara France. I've gone for Cara France by decision. And I've picked Moreno by decision. And in the main event, Juliana Pena versus Amanda Nunes 2 for the women's bantamweight title. I have gone for Nunes by decision. And me too, Joe. So what this means is we are unusually divided. Mm. Uh, Normally it's only one or two fights, isn't it? Joe, I think... a slight difference on. I really think this might be the most divided we've ever been. Yeah, I actually think it is. Uh, All the more exciting to see these fights. In the five years that we've done this, this yeah. is, I think, actually the most divided we've been. And I cannot wait. I'm actually very excited for this card now. I think it's going to be... I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be a really good card. Right. Listeners, thank you so much for joining us. You can email us at holdrother69 at gmail.com if you have any questions. Or if you want us to advertise your ball-shaving technology, we can do that as well. Uh, <laughs> uh, really, really, no price is too low, guys. No yeah. product is too demeaning. We will sell ourselves for whatever comes. But in all seriousness, please get in touch. Uh, yes. Reach out to us by email. Comments on YouTube. Uh, and please tell your friends. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Tom, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, I go by champ, Joe. But, uh, <laughs> yep. Paper see champ you, in my mind. See you next week to to see who will go into our next uh, numbered event as the champ. Yes, indeed. Uh, listeners, thank you for joining us. And have a good week. We'll be back next Wednesday. Goodbye. Bye-bye. <laughs>